everyone. Welcome to episode 136, Getting Your Kids to Listen with Love and Logic. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 136, which I cannot even believe we are on. And it's about getting your kids to listen because I would say the top two complaints that I get from parents, complaints, I don't mean complaints, I mean pain points. I'm always asking you, what is your pain point? What's your struggle? Tell me all your problems. I love hearing problems because like we tell our kids, every problem has a solution. Now, what I used to tell my students when they would come to my counselor office is I would say, I can't make all your problems go away. I can just make them smaller and more manageable. Instead of like having, like, you know, when you put like 10 pieces of gum in your mouth, that's a lot to chew. But if you just put one piece of gum in your mouth, that's easier to chew or even two or three. So sometimes we can change our problems from not being 10 pieces of gum and being more one or two. We don't make them vanish and disappear like Casper the ghost. We just make them more manageable and we have more control over the raffia, so to speak. If you know what I'm talking about. Control the raffia, for those of you who don't know, I talked about in a previous episode. It's more about taking control of your life versus your life controlling you because it will try to control you. If we don't manage our mind, our mind will manage us. I say that 150 times a day to myself and also on the podcast because I was listening to a YouTuber the other day and he was a doctor from Harvard. He was fabulous. I'm going to do an episode just on what he was talking about. And he said, he was talking about how we our inner child wounds and how that comes into our adult relationships, mostly in our romantic relationships and also with our kids. And he was talking about, you remember those hair club commercials? I don't know if you remember, but it was about if you join this hair club, you can go from bald to having hair. And they were such good infomercials because he would sell you, sell you, sell you. And then at the end, he'd say, I'm not only the president of the hair club, I'm also a client. And then he shows a picture of himself talking with a full head of hair. And then he shows a picture of himself from like six months prior and he's bald, like really bald with like, I'm like, what? So it's like signed, sealed, and delivered. So just so you know, I'm not the president of anything, but I am also in this hair club. I'm also a client with you. So what I am saying to you, I am practicing and I am falling and I'm flailing and I'm falling down. I'm getting myself back up. I'm just getting so curious and I love when I fall because then I can teach you how falling is part of the process. This is how we get stronger. This is how we become better, but nothing was wrong with us to begin with. We're just doing more of healthy striving versus that destination addiction running after perfection and then trying to hold it like sand that just falls through your hands and you're trying to like hold a cup of sand it's literally impossible so getting kids to listen the first time and also the guilt and shame that we all feel from ever yelling at our kids is usually what brings most people to me and this is what brought me to my knees of prayer of just please god give me a solution and if you give me a solution i promise on a stack of bibles i will pay it forward forever and that is what i'm doing on this podcast in the different posts that i have on instagram on facebook all the things all the places on my website when i work with you is paying it forward because I still have, instead of having 10 pieces of gum like I did before, crying myself to sleep, I now am chewing two or three, sometimes one. But the difference is now between then is I look forward to the messy moments. 
because then I can help all of you and I can also help myself. And then you can build connection through the messy moments. When I was a teacher, we did a lot of love and logic and love and logic in the schools looks a lot different than it does at home. And I've watched a few YouTubes on love and logic at home. And it's a little like, no, I like that part, but I don't like that part. I like, so whenever you are doing any type of parenting technique or you're reading a book, you don't have to digest all of it as factual and the Bible, so to speak. You can read something or you can listen to this podcast or anything you see on YouTube and you're like, oh, that resonated with me. Oh, that part didn't. And then you can take the parts that you like, discard the parts that you don't, and then add your own spice and flair. Kind of like when I was teaching, they would give me the curriculum and I would use the basis and the roots of all of it. And then I would add my own spice and flair. So that's what I want you to do. I don't want groupthink. I don't want you to think what I say is the Bible. What do you say after this? What do you say after this? What do you say? Because then you're a robotic parent. Your child wants you They don't want a diluted version of me. They don't even know me. But I did use Love & Logic a lot. And the parts of Love & Logic that I saw on YouTube that I didn't like, which I didn't even know they taught, was sending your kids to your room and telling them to come out when they're going to be sweet. Well, when they're three, they don't know what that means to be sweet. We have to teach them. And then they said, if they come out of their rooms, then you hold the door. I'm like, what? What? No, this is not what I mean when I like. What I really like about Love & Logic is that it's very easy to say. I love the book, How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. They have toddler version, school-age children, and teen version. And my kids are 11 and 13 now, so I'm doing much different things, but the same variety of what I did when they were three and five. Does that make sense? Don't you love when I ask open-ended questions? So one of my favorite things from Love and Logic is natural consequences, which we call it NC around here. And also when we do things, when we slip up and we have messy moments, what is our natural consequence? What are we modeling for them? When you make a mistake, how are you going to repair it? If you did a mistake with someone else, what are the four R's, the Gottman four R's? You're going to show remorse, take responsibility, tell them how you're going to repair it, and also tell them how you're not going to repeat it. So in the repair part is where natural consequences come in. And that's what I love about Love & Logic. Love & Logic is also a lot of giving kids choices. So they feel like they have control over their life and you're giving them control in a very healthy and very safe way and then reinforcing how empowered they are. Because a lot of times kids don't want to be bossed around just like I never wanted to be bossed around when I was a kid and now I'm in my 40s and I don't like to be bossed around and nobody really does. Nobody really resonates with that. Some kids do and they're just super compliant, but then we teach them to not listen and think for themselves. So we don't want that either. So love and logic is a lot about giving choices. The choices are always win-wins for you and you don't care which they choose. It's kind of like when you're getting dressed, you want to put on your pants first or you want to put on your shirts first. If they're eating dinner, do you want for their vegetable, do you want broccoli or do you want cauliflower? You don't really care if they choose broccoli or cauliflower, but it gives the child a sense of self-empowerment, self-awareness, and also kind of control of their own autonomy, so to speak. Because they have their own free will, so we're giving that to them. I know that sounds silly to say we're giving them free will. It's something that they've already been given by God and we're giving it to them. We're just allowing them to express their free will, if that makes any sense. So then when there are times when they don't have a choice, because it's not always a choice, it's more of the areas where if getting dressed was a tricky moment, then that's where you're going to bring in choices. So I did an episode in the beginning called Getting Kids to Listen Part 1, 2, and 3. And it was also always about doing the, whenever there's something that's hard for them to listen to or listen for the first time, you don't want to have yelling as a consequence because then you're teaching your child, don't listen until mom loses their mind or dad loses their mind. So a lot of parents will say to me, and I used to say this too, well, I wouldn't have to yell if they would just listen. If they would just do what they were supposed to do, then I wouldn't have to yell. 
And what we're doing is when we repeat ourselves and repeat ourselves and repeat ourselves and then yell, what we're teaching our kids to do is not listen until we yell. And you'll notice that it's a scale and it only gets worse and it gets louder and it gets more because they just kind of tuned it out and we're like Charlie Brown's teacher. And then when they don't get what they want, they learn to yell and scream. And then they say, well, if you would have listened the first time I asked you to play the video game with me, then I wouldn't have to yell at you, mom. You see how it's a double-edged sword? And just remember, we can't expect them to always want to do the things that we want them to do. If they're playing with their dollies and we're like, hey, we got to go to school. Well, that's like us hanging on our phone and we have to go to work. Like, we don't want to do that. We do it because we have self-control and we're grownups and we know the consequences if we don't. They're little. They just want to play with their dollies. So we kind of give them grace, but we can also give them autonomy and we can kind of give them control over their own reins of their horse, so to speak. So what we teach in the episodes of Getting Your Kids to Listen was start with a choice. If they tune you out, ignore you, no, I don't want to, kind of okay, and then they don't do it. Yelling is never on the realm of options because we don't want to teach them to yell when things don't go their way. That's the main goal. We're setting them up for their future relationships. If we want yelling to be in their future relationships, then yelling right now is the way to go because then they will be drawn towards that. They'll either become the yeller or they'll be drawn to someone who's a yeller and then they'll just get super compliant. They're either going to be the compliant one if there's a lot of yelling or they'll be the yeller. So we always have to look at the long game. We don't want to just think about brushing their teeth. That's just short game. So the choice is giving them autonomy. It's giving them free will. It's giving them power. Do you want to brush your teeth now or two minutes isn't really realistic because they're always going to choose the two minutes. So you, you could say two or four. If brushing your teeth is an issue. Now people will say, well, I don't like to give them choices because when they're in the corporate world, their boss isn't going to give them choices between if they want to get their work done in two minutes or four minutes. I promise on a stack of Bibles, when they're 24 years old, they're not going to want to have choices. They're going to be much more mature. They're going to step into emotional adulthood. And just like I told David, when we were potty training Grady about the Cheerios in the toilet, he's like, well, when he gets older, he's not going to have Cheerios in the toilet. I'm like, I promise you, when he's 16, he's not going to be asking for Cheerios in the toilet. If he is, then we have bigger fish to fry. So the same thing goes for what we're teaching with the choice game consequence. They're not going to always want choices over if they want to put their shorts on or their shirt on. They're going to get older. I know when they're real little, it's hard to see the big picture and see them as they're older. And not that my kids are grown and flown, but they're 11 and 13 and they are so much different than a three and five-year-old, obviously. And it's very hard to envision, but I want to be your crystal ball that it gets easier when you do the work when they're younger. Because when they're older, they have the reins to their horse already and they're always looking to you. They're gonna need you less and that's the goal. They're just gonna need you in different ways. They're not gonna need you to remind them to brush their teeth and put on their socks and shoes. So you start with a choice. Then if the choice isn't working or they're ignoring you or they're passive or they're just kind of like tuning you out, then you go to the game. The game usually works probably eight and below. They love games. Grady's 11. He still loves the games. Lily would laugh her tail off. She's going to high school if I tried to game with her. So the game, we talked about games before where it could be they love abracadabra magic. Close your eyes and pretend you're a magical wizard and you're going to guess which sink they're going to brush their teeth at or which toothpaste or with toothbrush. And it's all very silly and it's all very fun and it's all very light and fluffy. So they in those moments are asking for you to be more childlike and join them in their reindeer games instead of us always asking them to join in our reindeer games because we said so. If because we said so works, then keep doing that. The only problem with that is that we raise super compliant, super relying on us children where they can't think for themselves. 
The super compliant children grow up to stuff their feelings and then they're 25 years old and they don't even know what kind of flowers they like. They've been thinking so much for their parents because their parents were domineering and controlling and did all the things that they don't even know how to fold their socks or shoes or put their shoes on. Now that's an extreme example, but you get what I mean. They're not thinking for themselves. They're thinking for you because they want to please you and they want to affirm you and they want to make sure that they're good enough. So they're looking for you, looking for you, looking for you. We want to change that where they're looking for that within themselves and then they find it because we're not always going to be there. So choice game, then the game could be fun, always fun, light and fluffy because you've detached the ego and then the consequence. Now, this is where the O technique comes in, which for Lily, it kind of worked and Grady, it worked like a charm. So what Love and Logic teaches is having a code word and you teach this during calm waters. You role model it. You do it with the stuffed animals. You do it with yourself. They do it to you. You do it to your husband. Your husband does it to you. You do it with grandma. You do it with grandpa. Play, play, play. Play therapy is so fun. Now therapy doesn't mean they're laying on the couch talking about all their problems. You're playing with them and you're teaching them through play what you're trying to teach versus, okay, boys and girls, sit down. I want to teach you a lesson. They're going to be like, want, 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 want. Where's my video game? I want to go play. So play therapy, you're getting your message in, in the back door. You're playing with stuffed animals, but you're really teaching them. And then you take a little break from teaching and then you actually play with the dollies or the stuffed animals or the board game or whatever it is or the action figures. Whatever they're into, you become super into and then teach through that as your modality. So when I was teaching reading, if I had a child who was really into race cars, I would get books and magazines about race cars because that's going to be the modality that I'm going to use to teach this little boy or this little girl about reading. You know that saying, I think it's a country song. He thinks we're just fishing when there's so much other stuff going on behind the scenes. That's the same thing. He thinks he's just talking to me about race cars. Oh no, we're talking about sight words. We're learning context clues. We're learning all sorts of things. I'm just using the race car magazine as a modality to get in through the back door of what I'm trying to teach. So you can be sneaky with your kids, but not in a manipulative way, but in a clever way. So the uh uh-oh technique I learned from Love and Logic, and it's a code word when they are going off into, I call it the thin ice, or they're going off into areas they don't want to go. So with Grady, the code word was uh uh-oh. That meant trouble is ahead. You're on your ship and you better beware because there's an iceberg ahead. So the uh uh-oh And Lily liked the code word of, oh, bummer. So when they're not listening, when the choice game isn't working and they're just kind of tuning you out, yelling is not an option. Repeating yourself is not even an option because you're teaching your kids not to listen. I know that sounds crazy, but the more we repeat ourselves, the more we are teaching them to tune us out and then tune out their teachers and tune out their coaches and tune out their grandparents and all the other adult figures because we're teaching them, do not listen until I repeat myself 14 times and then I have fire coming out of my hair and I'm super mad and super angry. And that's not fun for you and it's not fun for them. So it's said in a very sing-song voice, oh, bummer, or uh uh-oh. And I always spoke in third person instead of you. I don't know why. I don't even know if I learned that from Love and Logic. But it would go something like this. Oh, Grady's not listening. He needs to get out of the pool on the count of three. Or now that everyone's like, what's the or? What's the or? Now, because they're not listening, it's usually related to something to do with time. This is when you know your kid the best. When Grady was littler, he would read three or four Berenstain Bear books with David or me before bed. And that was a really, really special time for him. So we are not going to take books away. We do not want to be all or nothing with our kids. Number one, that's not fun for them or for you because you're missing out on that bonding connection time. And you have nothing else to pull from if they tune you out. So instead of doing four books, you might just say, "Uh uh-oh, Grady's not listening. He needs to get out of the pool on the count of three or we will only have time for three books. One, two, and then most likely in the beginning, sometimes they won't listen, sometimes they will. And when they do, you reinforce that. 
You have a potty dance. You have a listening potty dance. Now they're not pottying, but you're flipping out. What a good listener. I can't believe what a good listener. You got it right away. Do you have springs in your shoes? What's going on in there? Reinforce, 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 reinforce. If they're physical touch, you give them big hugs, big high fives while you're drying them off from the pool. And what happens is over time, when you do this consistently and you're not trying to people please your kids, when you do this consistently over time, they will listen the first time, maybe just with the choice or maybe just with the game. Grady got to the point where if I just had to say, uh, and the word, uh, would get him to spring into action because he didn't want to lose the X, Y, Z. If he has 20 minutes of Mario time after the pool, uh-oh, Grady's not listening. He needs to get out of the pool on the count of three or he's only going to have 19 minutes of Mario time. Do you see how it's not all or nothing? Now, am I setting the timer for 19 minutes? I mean, I could, but I'm not that rigid. So he still gets his Mario time. We still get to connect and play Mario if I'm playing with him. And it's not all or nothing where we take it all away. Because what happens is then we have nothing to pull from and then they have nothing to look forward to and they have nothing to work for. It becomes learned helplessness. Like, why do I even bother? If I don't get out when she says jump, what I say is how high, then I lose all the things. So when they're losing all the things, they don't really have motivation to play along, so to speak. They're very little. They're very impressionable. Think about how they were over the holidays. I'm going to speak in code because there might be some ears around. But think about how they were during the holidays with Santa and with Mensch on the bench and with the elf on the shelf. Think about where their brains were then. And you can kind of understand how impressionable they are, how vulnerable they are, and they will give up all of themselves to please and get affirmation from you. That is their greatest motivator. You are like their oxygen tank. And remember, we're teaching this during calm waters first, and you also want to have them do it to you too if you're not listening. Uh Uh-oh, mommy's not listening. She said she'd play Monopoly in five minutes and then spend seven minutes. And then you can have some fun with it. And then you can start to panic. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And then you're kind of like the kid in the situation. And you're all doing it through shy smiles. You're all doing it through light and fluffy energy. Everything's NBD. And that's how you teach things. And then you'll get to the point where you'll say like, I just cannot believe I love your listening skills. Do you have extra big ears? Did God give you extra big ears because your listening skills are out of this world? Let me check in there. Oh, I see you have microphones in there. Oh, let me check that one. Oh, you have microphones. Did you turn up the microphone on your ears and they're laughing and they're giggling and you're reinforcing it, but you're doing it in a fun and light and fluffy way? And you're becoming more childlike and joining them in their lives versus always expecting them to join us in our lives. So try the uh uh-oh technique. With Lily, it was the old bummer. Now they're 11, 13. They would laugh me out of this house if I tried it. It's really good for younger kids. And then you catch them doing what you want them to do and you reinforce that. And that's how you're going to see more of it. And then they can do the same thing with you. And then you can see how much you're listening to them. Because a lot of times we want our kids to do things that are really monotonous and boring. And then when we go to do the thing that is monotonous and boring, we're like, oh, I can see why they don't want to brush their teeth. That's a chore. That's a task. When they're playing with their dollies or their figurines. And when they ask us to play Monopoly or something that's more childlike, that's hard for us because all we're thinking of is the tasks and the laundry and the dishes and the lunches that have to be made for the next day. And they're saying, will you come hang out with me? Will you come do what I asked you? Since I'm always doing what you ask, how often are you playing video games with me, mom? How often are you playing Monopoly with me? How often are you playing basketball? Uninterrupted, not on your phone. That's what our kids are asking us all the time. I'll meet you halfway. Why don't you meet me halfway? Girlfriend or guy friend? You're always asking me to do all this stuff. Clean my room, go to school, put on my clothes, get in the bath, brush my teeth, get out of the pool. You're such a joy kill. You're taking away all my fun. Come on, let's go have some fun. Want to go play basketball? Oh, in five minutes. Then five minutes turns to 10, turns to 20, turns to 30. They're going to stop asking. I'm kind of like, oh, she never wants to play basketball with me. Now I'm using that as an example. It could be X, Y, Z. 
it's very hard because once you go to do the thing, you're going to feel like a little kid and it's going to be very hard and your brain's going to spaz out and say, I need to do laundry. I need to do dishes. I need to do You're like, nope, I'm going to play basketball. Nope, I'm going to play Monopoly. Nope, I'm going to play this game of Connect Four. I don't know where my phone is right now. Nope, I'm going to do this. When I would bring kids to my office as a counselor, I never sat with them and just talked with them. Like, hey, tell me about your day. What's going on in school? What's going on at home? What's going on with your brother? What's going on with your sister? What about that friend that left you out? That never worked. It was literally like, they'd just be like, I don't know, big eyes, bug eyes. They're like, I don't know. What are you doing? Can I go back to my room? Can I go back to my classroom? I want to go on the playground. But if I sat with them and I colored with them, did a puzzle with them, or played a memory game with them, that's when all the good stuff would come out. It would come out naturally and organically versus lay on my couch, tell me all your problems. They don't even know that they're problems because they don't know any different. They always say kids are super resilient. Kids are understanding life and they're figuring out as they go, but they don't know any different. They don't have anything to compare it to. That comes out later when they're a grown up and they see their childhood with their adult eyes. That's when things start to come up and start to bubble up. Kids are really good stuffers because they don't know that it's messed up that dad's at the bar every night or they don't know what's messed up that mom's hitting me or saying awful things to me. If that happened to you, you didn't realize that when you were younger. But with your adult eyes, you're like, wow, that was really messed up what happened. He shouldn't have been doing that. She shouldn't have been doing that. That's not cool. But when you were younger, you didn't know any difference, so you took it as factual. So our kids are doing the same thing. So we want to teach them how to feel their feelings, engage in the world, being good listeners, because it makes them feel good, not because they're trying to get a sticker or a token from mom. And so have fun with it. Have fun with them. They are such delights. And I want you to start enjoying your kids to be in joy with them. That's the word enjoy when you break it down, to be in joy with them because then you'll build connection because there's nothing in this world more important than your connection with your child. Because that connection that you're forming with them every single stinking honking day, it's the compound effect, is the connection that they will go out into the world and seek when they are in their young adult and adult relationships. They will seek that out. They will become more like their same gender parent and then they'll be drawn towards someone like their opposite gender parent. That's not always the case. It could be flip-flopped, but you get the point where they're either gonna become more of who you are or they're gonna be drawn to more of who you are. So bring the goodness so then they can expect the goodness and then be drawn towards that and becoming that when they're older in their young adult and adult relationships when they're grown and flown. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup, Send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.